Well, let me tell you something, brother. Hello, everyone out there in Geek Vibes Nation. This is your special guest host, Patrick Stewart. Apologies from Dane. He's actually stuck with some malfunction issues in Saudi Arabia. I'm not talking about actually his plane or anything. It's his wardrobe. Anyways, I'll be filling in. Of course, I have my wonderful co-host, Christopher Brother A. Patton, joining me. How are you doing, Christopher? I'm doing wonderful. How are you doing, Mr. Patrick Stewart? Uh, you know, I played Captain Luke Picard on Star Trek once. Why, why did they cancel your show on Showtime? That shit was hilarious. It's the real question. Because uh, Harvey Weinstein was in control of it, and he's Satan from hell. <laughs> we also have a wonderful guest host on tonight called Macho Man Randy Savage. How are you doing, Randy? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, all I'm going to say is uh, Crown Jewel made them the fools. Get it! All right, I'm just kidding. I'm done with this. I can't I can't try to keep up uh, voices. I'm here. I'm out in Saudi Arabia. Uh, thank you guys for joining us on another Saturday Super Show for Wrestling Geeks Alliance, where we break down wrestling-related stuff every week. Uh, we do it now on Thursdays. It was Halloween, so... We had shit to do, me and Christopher, but um, we got a good show for you guys. Uh, uh, Chris, did you like that opening? Were, were you enjoying that for, for a little while? I was yeah, I was just going to let you. I was going to let you roll with it for a long time to see what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I could have opened up to like every different voice that I did. I've always thought about doing that, like just keep on introducing guests until it's just ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not com- I'm not confident enough in any of my impressions to, <laughs> to try to put put, put them over on the air. <laughs> well, I guess from time to time we might have some people calling in today. Anyways, let's uh let's let's start talking about some stuff, guys. We had a really uh <laughs> a pretty big week in wrestling. Not too much news, a couple items, and we're gonna go over that. But uh, we had some events, if you will, to cover. Uh, the first event I, I consider it an event is, uh, you know, this Wednesday Night Wars, which honestly, with Tuesday, um, which I loved NWA, we, we might try to talk about a little bit of uh, power uh, later on as well once we get through this, but I love power. I really liked AEW Dark. Exactly. Uh, I really liked uh, AEW Dark again, and I really enjoyed the first episode of Impact back. Um, so that was a really cool lineup on Tuesdays. But Wednesday Night, man wrestling, you know, start to finish. I'm really loving both shows. And let's start it off, Chris. Uh, yeah, Monday had a Raw show, I, th- I think, too. I don't remember exactly what the fuck happened, so we're not going to cover that. But um, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it was something prolific. Uh, anyways, but let's start off with NXT and go to AEW. Um, so the show opened with uh, Poppy 
uh, that band. That's that scary, hardcore-sounding band with a poppy singer. I guess maybe that's the reason why they're called Poppy, but I think it's actually spelled after the Poppy Seed. Anyways, they were performing to open it. Um, they also perform uh, Io Shirai's song, uh, and Io Shirai came down. It kind of felt bad for Candace at that point, since she didn't really have like the band there for that. But it was uh, it was cool. I know they've done a bunch of promo stuff for them in the past as well. And we had a match, the second match, with Io Shirai and Candice LeRae. And uh, damn, a good back-and-forth match. Uh, at one point... Uh, I don't know if Candace broke her nose, but uh, she definitely got her nose busted open uh, from EO from probably one of the kicks to her face. Uh, at the end of it, she was going to take a chair to her when uh, EO Shirai beat Candace LeRae, but Rhea Ripley made the save, kicking the chair out of Shirai's hand and sending her fleeing. Um, and then we found out that Pete Dunne will be facing Damian Priest next week again after that. But uh, what did you think about the first match to open up the show of NXT between EO Shirai and Candice LeRae, Chris? The match itself I actually liked a lot. I thought it was very, very good. Um, you know, I, I'm a little the, – the only thing I would say is if they're trying to get EO over as a heel, it's – don't, like, have a band player opening and have her come out. It's, like, very Triple H mindset of being a heel because <laughs> the crowd, like, totally yeah. got into her as a baby face, which I think was opposite. Um some of my biggest complaints about NXT actually was the crowd just completely going against, hey, this is our heel. They're like, no, <laughs> like it's Finn Balor later on. <laughs> um, but, yeah, the match itself I thought was pretty great. I'm, I'm really excited to see everything they're doing in the women's division with EO and Candice and Rhea. And now after <clears throat> last night's SmackDown, um, potentially – that division getting sh- shaken up by, you know, Shayna possibly coming up, which I guess we'll get into later. Yeah, it's like we have a second episode of NXT this week. Uh, but, yeah, we will get into that later. After that, we have Finn Balor come out, and he cut a promo. Um, and I really liked it. We had another example of this. I think it's a good time to bring this up on AEW that I thought was a better promo, not saying anything bad about Finn Balor's but with John Moxley and you have a lot of similarities in both these guys when it comes to what's happened to him on main roster with WWE. And it was good to see both of them unhinged a bit and able to kind of shout some fire about how they feel. Uh, I like Finn talking about how there was a man with the mask that was the hottest thing in wrestling that pinned me. And now I've taken off my mask and I'm the hottest thing in wrestling. Now, I don't know if I agree to that, to that, to that level, but he did make an impact when he had a healer turn the week before that. And it was good to see, you know, he said he's bringing the Prince back to Renee and uh, Booker on uh, backstage. So it's good to see aspects of this heel version of Finn. And, yeah, the audience is not going to – Finn's beloved, man. I mean, he is the most decorated male champion on there by having the title for the longest. I would obviously say female would be Asuka for her dominance of uh, most wins. But, you know, he's going to always have fans no matter what he does. And – as long as the heel to meet, uh, maybe you're, you feel different about this, Chris. As long as if they're a heel, kind of like how Kari Zane and Oscar are playing it, where they don't go against the audience. They might not like tell them to screw off, get in their face, but they do heelish stuff. I don't mind it as much. I guess it's, it's kind of like the heel version of the anti-hero, if you will. But people are, I, I don't know how the hell Finn's going to get himself completely over as a heel, though. But I did like his promo. What did you think about it? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the problem with the, the, the – like what I was saying about the fans, it it being full sale and you getting a lot of the same crowd, they're just going to love Finn Balor. I thought his heel promo itself, you know, if he was if it was on Raw or something, 
he he probably could have generated some views. It kind of plays into the brilliance of what Jericho has been able to do, like by getting the crowd completely against him. Um, part of that is like they're going to need a big baby face. And I thought it was Johnny Gargano honestly did, but it seems like they were cheering Finn over Gargano during the show. Um, yeah, the whole scenario is weird, but Finn's promo itself I thought was really, really good. The Ambrose promo we'll get into a little bit later. There were things I liked about it, but there was also things I didn't like about it. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like him being off script and not just being like, hey, I'm happy Finn Balor and I'm going to fight. And if you make me mad, the demon's coming. You know what I mean, guys? But like with an Irish accent. <laughs> Get how to mean guys? I can't do that. Um, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I, I agree, man. And uh, it just it's it's nice to see these different aspects of uh, you know older versions of themselves coming out modern day uh, when WWE kind of is peeled back from their creative, uh, you know, creativity. I should did, say. But um, you did you see? Um, by the way, I think Kevin Owens was at this show, either this show or last week's show. And they showed him with an undisputed error shirt on that said CFO, and kind of were teasing oh, maybe they'll be doing something with him in the future. Oof. Did you see this? Well, you know what Finn? No, but and, and that would be awesome. But Finn said, I think it was on the backstage uh, thing that he did. Um, I haven't listened to it all the way, but apparently, I don't think it's going to happen because they they seem like they have plans with them on Maine. But he would love, and he pitched uh, AOP to be his new bodyguards, basically. Uh, because he was kind of referencing having two bad luck falles would be cool. Uh, so either of those scenarios would be fucking awesome. I'd love to see Kevin Owens with the Undisputed Era, and I think it would be cool to see AOP with Finn Balor, unless they have something definite for them to do besides vignettes of them in chairs, talking like they're both mobsters from uh, you know overseas. I love some of the stuff they do backstage on NXT. Um, it's, we probably won't even get into the segment itself, but they were showing um, – the undisputed error tag team working out and they were just throwing like high leg kits into block pads. And that's like, you know, they do a lot of kicks in their matches. And I was like, well, that fucking makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And it's a very small thing, but I was like, well, yeah. I mean, if you're going to throw a lot of kicks later, maybe you want to get warmed up. <laughs> so I really appreciated nope. that small aspect. <laughs> yeah, dude, definitely. It just, uh, it's, it, it's that little bit of realism in sports aspect. That I think Hunter gets, uh, obviously, a little bit better than some of the other people, you know, sports <laughs> entertainment. Well, we have another match uh, with Bronson Reed and Shane Thorn, uh, Throne. Is it Thorne? No, no, it's Thorne. Sorry. God, I don't even know the guy's name. But uh, either way, uh, these guys have faced off apparently in Australia. They're both from uh, the Down Under. I think I said that correctly. <laughs> um, and uh, they had a good match, uh, but Bronson Reed it was definitely a way to push him. Uh, Shane, Shane Thorne, he really does have a good look to him. Um, and it seems like now that he's not in that tag team, they're giving him a little bit of a, a rub, but it's only to lose against the other opponent, it seems. But Bronson Reed, man, that guy, he's scary. I'd like to see him in a match with Keith Lee. He's, ex he's another guy that's freakish, freakishly uh, athletic and strong for his size. Um, just an uh, impressive dude. So it would be uh, interesting to see uh, what he does past that. But I think the big one of the bigger matches, Chris, was the women's tag team championship match, the return of the Kabuki Warriors. Another uh, situation where they got a huge pop. The uh, audience reacted to them. There was cheers of welcome home, and they were definitely the ones over in the match. Even though Dakota Kai 
was like getting killed in front of the audience, like sacrificed by these ladies for a majority of it. Uh, it was actually a pretty long match. I, I kind of, um, it was interesting how long Dakota Kai, you know, came in before she made the uh, the comeback in the uh, the hot tag to Tegan, but it was a pretty dang good match. Um, Oscar spit Brie Misk and Kai's face uh, behind the referee's back like she's been doing. And Carrie uh, Zane uh, performed the elbow on Kai's back to win the match. After the match, Shayna Baszler and the four horsewomen, or the horsewomen, I should say, showed up to bully Kai and Knox. This turned into a huge brawl involving the horsewomen, Knox, uh, Kaya, Rhea Ripley, Candice LeRae, Bianca Belay, and Io Shirai. William Regal announced that the brawl would be settled in the first ever women's war games at NXT TakeOver. Later in the episode, Baszler and Ripley were named team captains. Uh, pretty fucking cool. Uh, I love all the women involved. I think it's funny. I don't really know. Like, they're positioning Bianca Belair as a heel now. I think they position her wherever they need her. But she's definitely been getting a pop like a baby face. So I thought that was interesting. But I like all the women involved. Um, it should be interesting. Uh, you know, the whole War Games thing. I've liked the last couple of matches, but it just doesn't seem like it has that the same feel to it. You know, you can go to the top of the cage and jump the hell off of it. Uh, but it just, I don't know. I know they're probably doing now one with the women and obviously with the men that they set up later on. But either way, I thought this match was a pretty damn good tag team match. I love the Kabuki Warriors. I love this heel turn. Even with Kari saying, I don't know how it's working for them, but it definitely is. And uh, I hope they come back because Asuka definitely, man, she should be kicking ass on this fucking, she should have the women's title right now in NXT. Let's be honest. Uh, she should beat Shayna in one night and just take the damn title. I'm just kidding. Anyways, Chris, maybe I'm not kidding. What do you? What, what did you think? I mean, I think that's kind of where they're going, though. Is Shayna dropping the belt? That's that's what it seems like. I I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's how that ends up going, um, especially after SmackDown. But yeah, I really like this uh, match itself. I think I think it went a little long, um, and maybe it was just because they got heat for so long in the match. Agreed. I'm not a huge fan of the mist, though. At least the way they're doing the mist uh, spot. I feel like if you're going to do it, you should kind of save it more than they like. She's been doing it every fucking match, um, and it's Asuka, you know, undefeated empress of badassness. She doesn't necessarily. It would. It would actually. It needs be, to be special. It needs to be special, or you need to do like. I, I honestly would have gave it to Carrie because it would have been more surprising. For her to do it, you know what I mean. Like, I like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe it, she can blow it, fire. Oh, She'll talk to Jerry. That that was what I was gonna say. Is it you know because of the? It seems like they're doing it. Like the, there's no way the ref doesn't know that it happened. You know what I mean? So you could you could make the argument that it should just be a DQ if he sees it. Um, Muda used to do this great thing where he would always like either the ref would take a bump or he'd hit it, and then when he did the pin, he would turn the person's face away from the ref while he was doing the pin and I think that you know watching Samuda and seeing how he incorporated it might help a little bit um, either that or like I, I don't understand why you couldn't just do the mist but use a clear liquid like maybe show her guzzle some rubbing alcohol in her mouth or something and spit it in their eyes or I, I just don't know the mist thing is just um, it's one it needs to be special and two it takes you, you out of it, it basically yeah, if you do it, it's got to be – got to, like, make the effort to try to make the referee not see it. And they don't seem like they're doing that. Agreed. 
apologies, someone doesn't have a muffler. I'm having to uh, do this from outside because I got some construction going on in my house. So, uh, but anyways, um, yeah, like I, it does take me out of it a bit, and I wish they would kind of, at least if you're going to do it, like try to make the referee not see it or be blind to it, and then have the ref be kind of shocked afterwards when he realizes what happened, almost like disappointed in himself. Like have the referee sell a bit, you know, like, oh, God, I'm such a fucking idiot because you can't really reverse calls in WWE. That doesn't happen very often. I mean, it's happened in the past, but, um, yeah, just like, you know, sell the shock of like, oh, they got away with one, some bitches or something, you know what I mean? And I would have gotten it away if it wasn't for you kids and your damn dog. Yeah, I pull pull off Oscar's mask and it's actually like, um, Bull Nakano instead, and it's like, what? Bull Nakano? No, I'm just kidding. I understand exactly what you're saying, and I, I completely agree with you. It's uh, She has – I've seen Asuka do it before where she – it might have been the first time they did it, actually, where she pulled the face away, and she had her arm over the face so they couldn't see it, but she's not been really good about it, and it's been very, very blatant. I will say that out of all the people that have taken the miss, and I think that Dakota Kai was the fourth, she nailed her right in the face. Like, before – like. Paige, she sprayed her directly in the eyes and above her head, and like uh, the two other people before that, I can't remember exactly. I think one was Becky, but she just nailed Dakota Kai in the face, so kudos to Dakota Kai, because I don't even know, even if it's food coloring, that's got to suck to just like, spray a bunch of shit in your face, basically. I guess it's got to be better than Sammy Callahan, you know, showering you with loogies and shit. That's disgusting, but that's a story. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. You are just like spitting on the person. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get to the next match. Another good match, man. Good wrestling on the show for sure. Uh, between uh, Cameron Grimes and Tyler Bate, and uh, Cameron Grimes got the win over Tyler Bate, which I think was a smart idea. I think Tyler's built himself pretty well between uh, NXT and NXT UK. Um, and Cameron, uh, this is a really big win for him so far. Uh, he tried to go for that, that double stomp right off the bat, and I'm glad that's now starting, like, he, it's starting to screw him a bit in matches. Like, before he got it, like, three times in a row, so he got cocky, and now it's not working. Uh, I think that's a good concept. But um, uh, there was a distraction from Killian Dane, and it caused a cave-in double stomp. And after the match, Dane smashed Bate into the ring steps and told him to tell his friend they have unfinished business. And I think that's referencing Pete Dunne. So they're keeping them circled you know, Cameron Grimes, Pete Dunne, um, Killian Dane, Tyler Bate, and Damian Priest. They're kind of like, I guess, in all the same inter – I don't know what's going on exactly, but, hey, whatever. Uh, as long as you're having good matches, uh, I guess that's the thing that matters the most. But I would like to see Tyler Bate elevated a bit more than this uh, if he's going to chill out and hang out in the U.S. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this match? <clears throat> I like the match a lot. I, I'm just confused on what they're doing with Killian Dane because he was feeding with Matt Riddle, and they never really gave us a blow-off for that. They just had that weird battle royal and then moved away from it completely. Like, we were supposed to be getting a street fight that never happened. <laughs> but outside of that, I mean, I like the match a lot. I, I like what they're doing with Killian Dane. I like that they're associating um, Tyler Bates with Pete Dunne and kind of what they've done in uh, NXT UK. I think they could do a better job driving home, like, hey, you guys should watch some of the NXT UK stuff so you realize, like, why they're friends and kind of that group, um, specifically that last NXT UK pay-per-view that they did. 
like, you know, just kind of put it over and maybe show some clips or something. Those are all small things, though. Uh, the Killing Dane thing, I'm, like, I, I'm actually really enjoying what they're doing with him. I just They never gave me the blow-off match for Matt Riddle, so I'm just kind of like, are, is he still feuding with Riddle, or is he just feuding with half the fucking roster at this point? Yeah, it's a bit confusing because now this is also like, so is he now going to feud with Tyler Bate, Matt Riddle, or Pete Dunne? You know, uh, I don't think we got to defend it. And Dunn's already and Riddle. Yeah, with and Damian Priest. Kind of already in a feud with Damian Priest, so that's that's the part that is a little weird. Maybe it could be them bringing in, um, you know, another member from the UK crew. From yeah, uh, I can't I remember who all's in that group. They could do that and have that guy wrestle uh, Killian Dane until they set up whatever they're going to do. It seems like they've just moved completely away from Matt Riddle and Killian Dane for whatever reason. Um, which, you know, it is what it is. I, that shit happens on wrestling shows sometimes, so I'm not going to kill them over it because I think that this show was actually really well done. And the way they're putting Killian Dane over is has been kind of kind of awesome. Like, they've made him seem like a monster. He's, he almost has a Vader vibe to him. Um, I think that's what they're going for, yeah. Um, all right, well, this last match was a badass tag team match, man. You know... I don't know if they get necessarily lost in the mix, uh, but it doesn't matter if it's Bobby Fish, Kyle O'Reilly, or Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. Undisputed Era is one of the better tag teams, uh, you know, right now, I would say. They they, they perform with pretty much everyone uh, and always have good matches. And they went against Keith Lee and Matt Riddle, this form tag team. Uh, kind of interesting. I think that they have tagged on the indies, maybe in Evolve, but I know that Matt Riddle's main tag team partner was uh, Jerry... Um, Oh, man, now I can't remember what his name is. Uh, he's in Ring of Honor. Uh, he's been in New Japan. Oh, man. All right, well, it doesn't matter. It's That's kind of trivial compared to it. But either way, I thought this was an awesome tag match, uh, very hard-hitting. I'm just so impressed by Keith Lee on what he can do for his size. It is ridiculous. I mean, he's bigger than a lot of the big men that are doing this. Like, he's one of the biggest, if you will, even bigger than, like, Willie Mack, Um and a lot of those other guys, like he is freakishly athletic, and Matt Riddle, of course, is the king of bros, uh, but the Undisputed Era did win. Middle, Riddle and Lee fought off interference from the other members of the Undisputed Era, but O'Reilly and Fish were able to hit the high-low on Riddle to win the match, and I thought the way they pulled it off was great. It was very out of nowhere. They snuck up on him and did it. I like that that finisher. It's really good, but uh, the group continued to beat down Lee and Riddle until Tommaso Ciampa and his crutch made the save. Ciampa Ciampa teased picking up the NXT championship but said, Goldie, you're going to have to wait. Daddy's going to war. So it looks like it's going to be the Undisputed Era. One mystery opponent, Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, and Matt Riddle in the other um, War Games match. And there's been rumors, Chris, that they might uh, have one of of these matches in some way might not be a War Games match. I would assume it would be this one. It might be actually at Survivor Series. But they are mixing in this, and we'll kind of go more into that when we get to SmackDown. Either way, I thought this tag match was pretty awesome, and I will try to figure out who – oh, Jeff Cobb. That's who I was thinking of. See, I can do it myself. Chris, what did you think about this match? I I love the match. I thought it was fucking awesome. Um, Redragon – I guess I just call him Undisputed Era, but Redragon, right? Wasn't that their original gimmick name? Yes, sir. Red Dragon, Redragon. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, so I think that they. I think you're 100 percent right. I, they are probably the best tag team in WWE. 
as far as what they're allowed to do in the ring and stuff. It sucks because I feel like the OC is actually the best tag team, but they just their matches are always <laughs> kind of short. They don't let them do as much. Um, and the Usos disappeared I would love to, off the planet. That was going to be my next question, is did the Usos even get drafted, and could you see them maybe just showing up in NXT? Because I hope so. That would make that tag team division so fucking good on NXT, especially being able to wa- like work these longer um, form matches going up against um, you know AEW, which is very tag team centric. Uh, even some of the singles guys are also working tag teams, uh, as you've seen with Jack Evans and a, a few of the other <laughs> stars over there. So I have I don't even remember the Usos got drafted, which is fucking sounds insane, um, but. I could I could see them uh, showing up in NXT, especially after some of the law trouble that they had. Uh, and it's being, in, you know, NXT is mostly filmed in Florida, as everyone knows, and that's where the Usos live. Uh, I could I could see them doing something like that, bringing the Usos in against them. Um, as far as the, I kind of want to see, you know, Undisputed Air versus the club with Finn Balor put in there, but then Balor like turns on the club to get the heel heat. You know what I mean? Like, wouldn't that be? That would be awesome. I don't know that they're going to do that, but I mean, if you're going to bring, if you're going to, if you're going to do the, if you're going to bring NXT in, I don't want them to just take all the losses. Like last year, SmackDown lost every fucking match they were in, and I hope they're not just bringing NXT up to have that. It's like, well, the NXT guys lost. Like that would suck. So <laughs> hopefully they're not doing that. Um, and there's some cool stuff that you could definitely get out of it. But I, I love the fuck out of this tag team match. There was a lot of good tag team wrestling on. <laughs> on Wednesday, so this one wasn't my favorite tag match of the night, but it was it was a really damn good match. Yep, I completely agree. Well, uh, let's go to that competition that you were just re- referencing uh, with AEW Dynamite having a fucking really killer show. Uh, it started off basically with um, Tony Schiavone meeting uh, Cody and Dustin at the airport. Uh, apparently, this was uh, reminiscing um, the beginning of one of their uh, one of their Halloween Havocs, I believe, at the beginning uh, with Ric Flair. They were kind of like imaging it based off of uh, the cinematography and everything. And this was awesome way to start it off, very different. And uh, we would see another, you know, kind of talk between them. Uh, who obviously uh, Tony and and and, uh, and Cody, you can tell they're close. Uh, with them talking about Dusty and stuff like that on the car ride, but they did that, and then they went to a shot of John Moxley uh, going into Tony Khan's office, and Tony Khan explaining to him that he decided that he can have him in an unsanctioned match, um, and you would think that John Moxley would be happy about this, uh, getting Kenny Omega unsanctioned, but he's pissed because he thinks that it's a joke and that he's trying to basically make him look stupid and that he, he doesn't, that Tony doesn't think that he cares about his record and actually gain the championship. And there's that competitive drive that, you know, I guess a lot of people wouldn't think is there for John Moxley's character, but he's like, no, I want the friggin' bell. You're, you keep on giving me matches so I can destroy these guys that are unsanctioned. It's not working for my friggin' record. This is bullshit. And he was pretty, uh, Pretty pissed off about it. It was it was uh, cool also to see, to make it more realistic, there was no fucking camera in the goddamn office during their, their meeting. So it looked like a fly-on-the-wall perspective, getting the audio of what's going on in there, give it that realistic factor. So I liked both opening videos to start up AEW 
that's the type of stuff that's going to change it up for me and make me like certain aspects like that. Uh, and, and just just watching it as a television show, uh, I thought it was really cool, both things. Uh, so how did you feel about the opening at the airport with Tony Schiavone and Cody? And then what did you think about the uh, meeting between John Moxley and Tony Khan? Tony Schiavone is perfect in this role that they have him in. Um, Absolutely. Kind of not a full-time announcer, and he's kind of just a super fan. Even when he's on commentary, he's, like, just so amazed that everyone can do these moves, as opposed to, like, JR, who's just, like, I'm, I'm old-school Jim Cornette, and Excalibur is obviously just doing the play-by-play. But I think, like, Tony Schiavone's been nailing it, and I'm glad to see he's doing so well. I love the limo interview with him and um, Cody, where he told the story about Willie Nelson and Dusty just being naked and be like, stars make him wait. <laughs> it's like it's fucking Willie Nelson and Dusty Rhodes is big-leaguing him. That's, that was pretty great. Um, yeah, so I love that aspect of it. Uh, and we're, I guess we're going to get more into Cody, but I think Cody is like – Cody's got to be the best baby face in the world right now. I don't think anyone's even close. I mean, I guess like – you could have said Johnny Gargano versus when he was going against Ciampa, I thought was doing like kind of at that level. Um, but right now, man, Cody is just money. So I, it doesn't really matter what heel they put against him. It's he's just perfect. And him and Jericho are together. That's I, I want to see that match so bad. They built that so well that I, I you know, I kind of want Cody to kill him. <laughs> so that's, that's what you should want, you know, for your top program. Um, the Tony Khan stuff I actually really enjoyed. I just kind of were, uh, I saw afterwards that he was just dressed like orange, uh, orange Cassidy, which was hilarious. I don't know if you saw that picture that was floating around because it was Halloween. He just dressed up like orange Cassidy. So I wonder if that's why they did it. The door closed or if it was planned and pre-filmed or whatever. I have no idea, but I, I like that as well. The only problem I had with um, some of the Dean Mox, uh, Dean Ambrose, John Moxley promos uh, was he's talking about, he cares so much about his win-loss record, but two weeks ago, he just fucked over Neville in his win-loss record, and you know just yeah, yep. So that it's one of those flip-flop things where I'm like, well, I get he's pissed off about having all these unsanctioned matches. I just think he could have worded it a little better. Um, and obviously he's pissed about the time limit draw. So I get where they're going, and and once again, there's no history here with the show. They could just learn from it and be like, well, we kind of fucked up there. We shouldn't have done that. Um, and, you know, maybe it is that just John Moxley's fucking crazy, but he should play that in more. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I think he's channeling – if they go this route, I think it'll be awesome. Where they keep putting him in these unsanctioned matches and he's, like, anti-hardcore, like Mick Foley, like refusing to do shit in the ring. Uh, if you think that about is the you run. Yeah, if they do something like that, this could be absolutely brilliant. Um, where like Kenny Omega is cheating, and uh, like anytime John Moxley has the opportunity to hit him with something, he just fucking doesn't do it to piss the fans off. Like that could be awesome. <laughs> I, I, I don't think they're going there, but if they did, I would be like, oh shit, that's really really smart. Like winning a match with an elevated chin lock or some shit. Like <laughs> just going <laughs> way more old school. Yeah, I, I, I love that when uh, Cactus did that in ECW. Yeah, I, I think that would be a kind of a cool move for Moxley, uh, especially if the storyline is they're going to keep putting him in these unsanctioned matches because everyone thinks that he's the crazy guy. You know what I mean? 
And, and that's yeah. what they did with Texas Tech. So maybe they are going that route. Um, but yeah, the win loss thing is kind of. I was like, yeah, but didn't he just like fucking hit Neville with a Paragon shift or pack? Sorry, the bastard pack, as Jim Ross calls him, with a Paragon shift. The bastard pack. It's uh, so great. Yeah, I love. That. I, I think they should always call him that. That's such a fucking good nick. Especially because just pack itself is just too close to Xbox for me still. Or Tupac, you know. I, I think that's both of those things. There's already an association, and Pac just sounds really evil and British at the same time, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, especially if you have a bastard in front of it, then it becomes like, even better. So the really, Jim Ross, Pack. <laughs> the bastard Pack is the. Uh, I, I like that name. Uh, anyways, I'm going off the rails here. You can continue. No, you good. <laughs> All right, so we had our first match, and we had uh, Hangman Adam Page going against uh, Sammy Guevara. Uh, it was a good match, man, back and forth. I really like Sammy Guevara. Uh, JR got a little bit of heat on Facebook. Weird. Uh, don't worry. I, I defended him. I know everyone's worried about that. Uh, where he said that Sammy Guevara reminds him a lot of a young Eddie Guerrero uh, in ECW and WCW. And, um, you know, I, I don't see that specifically, but I, I love JR's uh, interpretations of people. Um, I connect him, like I've said, to, like, Sean when he first broke out of the Rockers and was with Sensational Sherry, but like more of like a Joe. If that was David Lee Roth esque or, or or that look, Axel Rhodes is where he modeled that. Then this one's Justin Bieber, but you know maybe that's not the best uh, uh, compliment, if you will, to Sammy Guevara. Either way, Jared can fucking describe anyone to whoever the fuck he wants. So fuck off. Anyways, I thought this good match was good. I loved Adam Page afterwards. Uh, with his, this was the first, you know, and this is what I'm talking about with lack of video packages. Uh, us not being able to see a lot of Adam Page kind of made him bland, and I, I'm glad that even though it wasn't much and it wasn't the greatest or anything like that, you know, even him just saying the uh, I, I want I'm gonna do some cowboy shit, like yeah, he said shit, it still worked for him, and I thought it was a, a pretty good um, you know first match. Uh, then we had uh, Hakura Shida and the new who just apparently signed with AEW, uh, Shana, who's Portugal's perfect athlete. Hey, I'm from Portugal, too, I guess, part of me way back when. Uh, but either way, uh, she don't won a match, and I guess that kind of proves it's not, it wasn't a squash match because they gave her, her some uh, a lot of offense, uh, Shauna at least, and she won with her uh, running knee strike. Both ladies are awesome. Um, I would like to see a little bit more uh, stuff, maybe a package for Sheeta since she's been in a bunch of matches, and I, I don't really know a hell of a lot about her. But what did you think about these two first matches, Chris? And also, Hangman Adam Page wanted to do some cowboy shit. All right, I love Hangman wanting to do some cowboy shit. They gave him the mic. They actually let the guy talk, um, say something important. He said he's going to knock knock his fucking head off and do cowboy shit. And I was like, okay, here we go. Now he's got a catchphrase, cowboy shit. Let's let's start moving in the right direction because I've been complaining about the fact that they're they want to push this guy as a star. But they're not really giving him any mic time. He's just kind of second fiddle to everyone else in the elite. Like he randomly shows up to help them sometimes, or he's in a random tag match with them. This is kind of like the moment, to me, make or break, right? So if he beats, I guess he's wrestling Pac at the next pay-per-view. Seems like that's what they're building towards. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So if he beats them, and continues to do these promos with the cowboy shit, gets a little uh, bit more mic time, maybe do some video packaging kind of explaining 
who he is because not everyone just watches Being the Elite. I'm, I'm just saying, like you're you, you're asking a lot for your entire audience to watch Be Be the Elite, right? So show us a backstory. Do what they've done on, uh, which I actually love on uh, AEW Dark, where they sent him down with Cody and they kind of tell a story. I thought the MJF one was really great, by the way. I don't know if we're going to get to talk about it, but um, they that, I, I like that shit a lot. They, they should do a lot more of that and kind of. Uh, Show some of this, show some of this character that they want to get over, and I think you know him having a promo and having a dominant win goes a long way. So I, I really liked that match. I liked the promo afterwards. Uh, Sheeta is incredible, and I once again it's one of those things where I was like, I just need to know a little bit more. Uh, I, it's one that I haven't followed. I, I can say that as far as a female Japanese wrestler. Um, but yeah, I thought the match was pretty good. But she she definitely had a dominant win. Um, it seems like they're going to be doing more with with her for sure. Yep. All right. So this next segment I loved. I really did. I thought it was great. I love the Rock and Roll Express. They, they're getting older and older, but they don't really give a shit. You know, uh, spoiler warning, they just won some championships at another organization. I'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, but they came out here to display the AEW Tag Team Championships. They kind of went over this uh, ahead of time with advertisement online and, and, and such. And I thought it was awesome for them to come out. And even if this was like Bret Hart just presenting the titles and stuff like that, that would have been cool. But they fucking flipped it and gave LAX, well, I guess the, the, the team formerly known as LAX, Santana and Ortiz, um, the ability to come out, beat the living crap out of one of the most respected tag teams of all time, you know, not giving a crap about the titles, raising it up, saying we're going to have these, throwing them down like it's nothing. And they put freaking Ricky Morton through part of the damn stage with the Young Bucks, who are heavily, <laughs> heavily, heavily, heavily compared to the Rock and Roll Express. I've always didn't really uh, 100% agree with that comparison because the Bucks do a lot more heelish stuff in some of their matches than that – the Rock and Roll Express would never do, but I get it as the most dominant, you know, bat, whatever, it doesn't really matter. They came out, made the save, but it was too late. Both guys were just beaten to hell, and yeah, it reminded me of when Kevin Nash put Eric Bischoff through that part of the stage to get some heat before Eric had turned on uh, WCW. Uh, it was just perfectly a little area of stage, didn't look like it was that bad of a bump, but, you know, dude, Rock and Roll Express, they don't give a shit. They don't care. Yeah, I mean, Ricky just, I I saw the other fucking day that he did a Canadian destroyer. So <laughs> Rock and Roll Express absolutely incredible. I I know a lot of people were kind of pissed about uh LAX. What what is Pride and Power is their their new gimmick name. I I'm not trying to upset them. I don't need LAX coming over and beating my ass. Uh but I, I like that they got heat, and apparently people was like, I can't believe they did that to Legends. I was like, that's what you should do to Legends. That's how you get good heat. Like, people were fucking pissed they put Ricky Morton through the, through the stage. Um, I loved it. I thought it was great. And, I, and specifically because they're going after the Young Bucks. Uh, and the Young Bucks are closely associated with the Rock and Roll Express. And, and I think it's more that they've had a fuck ton of matches with Rock and Roll Express at this point. Um and I agree with you. They're, as far as how they work in the ring, uh, at least in America, you you don't see it as much. In Japan, I think they were a little better, specifically if you remember the match with the Golden Lovers that they had. That would definitely felt like a rocket, like where uh, I think it was Nick yeah. Jackson was just stelling his back the entire time. That was very Rock and Roll Express. 
<laughs> like one guy gets their ass kicked for 80 minutes and then finally the hot tag and the hot tag actually means something. Um, yeah. So I, I see the comparisons, but I, I do agree with you to some point that they, they do wrestle a little heelish, but I think that's just more of modern wrestling in general, right? Yeah, absolutely. They kind of like pertain to a certain type of, uh, wrestler dynamic, like if the first dynamic of this was a Rock and Roll Express, which I'm pretty sure they were, Rock and Roll Express, the Rockers, the Hardy Boys, uh, the uh, what you call Motor City Machine Guns. Now the Young Bucks kind of like take that same trail. I would have thrown Jericho and Lance Storm in there. Oh yeah, Thrill Seekers. You could put that between the Rockers and the Hardys. But <laughs> usually one guy ends up more successful than the other one. So does that mean that Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson will break up soon? Probably not. No, um, I think they're 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 one of those tag teams that should be together forever, just like the Midnight Express or the Rock and Roll Express. Like the same yeah. thing with the Usos. Like, does anyone want to see the Usos break up? Certain tag teams are so no. good together that you don't really need a singles run. Um, the Rockers' single run only really came because Marty Jannetty was a little crazy, and Sean uh, knew how to get himself over in the back. And was the better wrestler of the two, even though Marty Jannetty is also a phenomenal, was a phenomenal wrestler during that time period. Yep, I agree. All right, so, uh, yeah, we were kind of talking about this beforehand, but Tony Schiavone talked about talked to Cody Rhodes uh, in the limo, brought up his dad and how he's known him for a long time, um, talked about the new stipulations for his AEW World Championship match against Chris Jericho at full gear. The match reaches a 60-minute time limit. A group of judges will determine the winner. I can't see the match going 60 minutes. But, hey, I understand why they're doing this. Um, I wish fans understood the concept of a draw better, but, you know, this is a good way to, you know, I guess appease people. And just kind of cool. They've done judges in the past uh, within WCW and MWA, and it works out, I think. But I also love the stories like you were referencing with Willie Nelson and Dusty. And this is just, this was good. I just will say my only critique about this, it did take a little while. And I could tell that there was I, – I, it sounded like booing after a while. Like people in the audience were kind of getting sick of it. Uh, but I loved it. Uh, you know, it was it was a good sit-down thing between Tony and Cody. What would you think, Chris? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely something geared towards the TV audience more than the live audience. So if you're there just sitting there watching the screen after watching, you know, AEW's fast-paced matches, it it may have put them in a little bit of a lull. But I I loved it. I love the storytelling. I think Tony is perfect kind of in this in-between role. Um, I liked that Jericho called him Shavani later or Shivon or something like Totally slaughtered his name because it took me back to WWE when he used to call – what is that backstage? One of the robots from backstage, he used to always call her the wrong name, like, every week. Um, yeah, so I, I loved it. Like, like I, I don't know if the crowd was booing or if they started doing their own chants. That's just one of those weird crowd things. Uh, it's, it's hard to keep the attention of a live crowd with a video package. Absolutely. All right, so then we had... Uh, the best friends uh, come out. Uh, we had a uh, intro for the best friends with Orange Cassidy from Rick and Morty, who had invaded. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't care for any of this. Uh, and the best friends in Orange Cassidy were going to go against uh, three more, I guess, lo- local enhancements: QT Marshall, uh, Racetrack Reynolds, and BP John Silver. 
I'm just kidding. The first one was just QT Marshall, so uh, I don't really care to actually say their names. But John Silver, Alex Reynolds, QT Marshall, be for the boys, right? Best friends, Ann Cassidy came to the ring, dressed as Rick and Morty, and I guess the other one was Cool Rick. I don't really know. Cassidy eventually uh, shed his costume, and the best friends won with Strong Zero. Uh, I don't – I didn't fucking care about this. Hey, I understand, you know – Money deals and sponsoring, commercial, blah, 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 blah. And there is crossover audience, I would say, with some of the younger people and myself that watch this and also watch Rick and Morty. I just didn't care. And uh, Chucky e. T can kiss my ass. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, Chris, what, what, what did you think about uh, this? I don't understand why they didn't just do this with the Bucks if the Bucks were going to dress up anyways, honestly. I, I think it would like people wouldn't have been as upset about it. This was just like a two-minute nothing match, and you already have Orange Cassidy, who kind of is constantly a Ryan Gosling <laughs> gimmick, like costume cosplay gimmick. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, that He lost his hair, then they had to put the hair on. It, it became one of those – felt very indie. I like that no one is selling Orange Cassidy's, like, shtick in AEW as far as, like, when he leg kicks them. It's supposed to be like a super kick and they take like a giant invisible bump. I'm glad they're not doing that in AEW. I like Orange Cassidy. I think it's, you know, if you're there live seeing him do that stuff, it's probably more fun. But like, you're going to put this on TV week to week. I kind of like what they're doing with him. He hit his spot, you know, with the, uh, the, the hands in the pocket dive that he does. It's, I think they kind of killed it when they had Darby Allen doing like a bazillion fucking bumps with his hands tied behind his back, basically. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was, you're killing the gimmick brother. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about, uh, Rick and Morty. Like I've watched a couple episodes. I'm not going to say I'm a huge fan or anything. I get the promotion side of it. They are on TNT, which TBS, if I'm not mistaken, owns, Cartoon Network and a bunch of other stuff. I should know this because I'm fucking from Georgia. It's all Warner but, Brothers. Uh, yeah, that it, all of that stuff kind of ties in together. So I get why they tried to do it. It just I don't know. I know, it felt very WCW or TNA. Let me say that. I guess that's the best way to sum it up. It, it took me kind of out of what AEW has been the past few weeks. Are you saying you didn't love RoboCop coming to help save Sting that one time? And not doing I mean, anything. when I was a fucking kid, dude, I thought that was the coolest shit of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought. Yeah, but also, dog. I love. I thought the triple cage was the fucking coolest thing too. Uh, and then I got older and was like, that that was fucking dumb. Everyone was just falling around, uh, like, <laughs> trying to walk on actually, chain link. <laughs> actually, that sucked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as you get older. But as a kid, I mean, the RoboCop thing was like, you know, it's four kids. Like, people forget that, like, race, wrestling yeah. in the 90s and late 80s well, was aimed actually, more towards a younger audience. That That's something I kind of get pissed off about even in modern audiences when, like, you know, people like people our age or older get pissed off about people like Roman Reigns and John Cena. And it's like, but kids love them. And this is kind of geared towards kids. We've talked about this before. It's like, fuck off and quit, like, trying to – Grab something that's supposed to also pertain to children, you douchebags, marks. But you know, what yeah, it's are you like do? it's just the same. It's the same thing as Star Wars fans. Just like the fans that just were teenagers when they saw the first two Star Wars, and then they saw the Ewoks, they're like, "This is fucking stupid." <laughs> it's like, hey, mean, those Ewoks <laughs> will eat you. Will fucking kill you, yeah. and then drum on your skulls. There. Yeah, but you kind of get what I'm killers. saying. It, it is a little bit yeah. of the same thing. 
No, I agree. Um, well, anyways, yeah. we, were, we were talking about this beforehand, and uh, Jer- Jericho and Cody had their contract signing. I like, Chris, that they're doing different things to kind of try to differentiate from WWE. You know, they, they didn't do this in the middle of the ring. They did it at the top of it. You know, they, they kind of made reference, but it didn't bother me as much as, as, as last week. But, you know, trying to set the difference between them, and they're not going to get in a fight over this, and one's going to go through the table. They're going to shake it out like men. And then Jericho, of course, had a very deep, dark ace up his sleeve. Cut to a video. Sammy Guevara and LAX are beating the shit out of Dustin. And Jack Hager takes him, slams him into a car, opens up the door, and smashes his arm into the door. Um, which they did do this. I actually was watching uh, Halloween Havoc uh, 92, I believe. And they did this to Barry Windham, who was uh, tagging with Dustin. Larry Sabisco came out of nowhere with Arn Anderson. They smashed his arm in the door. So I don't know. I don't know if they're attributing like little, you know, hints there here and there, but it would make sense because these are all from, you know, intros to the past Halloween Havocs right around the corner of Halloween. Cody's going to be someone that's always going to kind of look at that era and a lot of, uh, you know, I, I just see these tribute parts. And it was great when they were doing that and Jericho comes out and gets all the guys out of there while, you know, Cody's tending to his brother. He lights up a fucking cigar and was like, oh. His arms looks pretty messed up. Should probably take him to the hospital and just gets in his limo and drives off. I loved it. I love this whole entire thing. Jericho looks like Ric Flair kind of looks like, you know, with his long hair out there. But then he has a fucking pumpkin purple button up instead of like, you know, a normal white button up like you would think. Because Jericho's got to be that weird flamboyant rock star. And Cody was just so great at the delivery, especially the facial expressions when Jericho was cutting him down. It was just great. It makes you want this match so much more. And what they did with Dustin was just an added layer. All of that shot live. It, they did it perfectly, even with the cigar smoking. I thought this was fucking great. What do you think? It's absolutely fucking incredible, and I want to see this match so bad. Like, they have done such a good job building this match. Um, and, the Jer- like, Jericho almost flipping the table, but just like, hey, the belt means more than that. I really appreciate it. But he's like, Belt means more than that for us, <laughs> not for your brother. Aren't you needed? What did he say? Aren't you needed elsewhere? And then you can see Dustin's face like kind of drop, and then they show just his brother getting the shit kicked out of him. And they set it up perfectly because he talked about his mom being in the audience earlier in the night. Like my mom's gonna be there. He's talking about how his family's gonna be watching him and all this stuff, and then you just see his brother getting absolutely destroyed in the back and getting his arm slammed in the door, and hopefully they sell that where, like, you know, Goldust is wrestling, not Goldust, but uh, anyways, (laughs) hopefully they sell that where he has, like, a cast or something for a bit. Um, The only thing I would say is, like, at the end, there wasn't really a brawl, because they were all checking on uh, Dustin, as opposed to um, maybe trying to fight them off. But I did kind of like that they just – Jericho just lit up the cigar, like you said, was like, oh, probably get him to the hospital. <laughs> just got, got, in, got in his car and left. Um, Sammy Guevara cutting the little promo be- beforehand, too, was really good. He's like, hey, is this thing on? Like, And they made it, like, shaky, like it was kind of found footage at the beginning. I didn't – I, I like that as well. Uh, this, this whole segment was awesome. Everything they're doing with Jericho and Cody has been really great. And uh, like I said, I look. I, I'm I'm really looking forward to that match.
still there, Dane? Or did I lose you? All right. Sorry about that. Um, I accidentally hung up the phone uh, while you were talking, Chris. Um, so I don't know how long I haven't been here, but I'm back. Okay. Uh, no, I was just saying I, I just went over everything I liked about that. Uh, Sammy Guevara, I liked his little cut, how they did the cut to the back with that, the the beat down. The only, the only downside of the beat down was, I, you know, they didn't really go after anyone afterwards. They just all checked on Dustin. Um. But, yeah, exactly. Like said, with Jericho lighting the cigar and being like, you should probably get him to a hospital, <laughs> I thought was great. And uh, Ric Flair is a good comparison to what Jericho is currently doing, especially, you know, the J.J. Dillon, four horsemen Ric Flair of the 80s kind of thing. It, it does have that vibe with what he's doing with his character. And his ability to make the audience turn against him is super fucking impressive, considering they continuously try to cheer him. <laughs> he still somehow finds a way to get booze. Oh, he plays them like a fucking conductor, man. Like he's, you know, orchestrating an orchestra basically and band to do whatever the hell he wants with the audience. It's amazing how he can control that. But yeah, like I keep on saying, and I hope this kind of keeps, I hope this continues this feud. I I don't want it to end and I feel like it is, but I kind of want more to it because I feel like Jericho's going to retain. So that should have Cody chasing for the title, but I know him he kind of wants to give it up to someone else. He doesn't want to be in the main title picture. That's what all of them have said, and they've kind of all did that uh, individually. Kenny taking him out, self out, the young bucks taking themselves out. So it will be interesting. But this buildup has been awesome. And yeah, like I said, if Jericho is Ric Flair, Cody is obviously Sting. And I think that it's it's a uh, it, they're building up really well. This reminds me of early '90s WCW, which was fucking awesome. And this is awesome. So. Really enjoying yeah. this. Uh, and any other comments before we move on to the next match? Yeah, the one thing I didn't touch on was the judge situation. I don't think this match is going to go 16 minutes with Jericho no. and Cody Rhodes. I could be completely wrong, and maybe they just go out there and have a Ric Flair Sting match. But I, uh, I, I honestly don't see that. If they were just in a 30-minute time limit, I'd be like, okay, maybe. But as a fan, you shouldn't be pissed off because if you have judges, you at least know you're getting a decision. Like, someone is going to win the match. It's not going to a time limit draw, which everyone blew their fucking load over when it went to a TV <laughs> time limit draw last week with Moxley and Fox. So I I think that some of this was reactionary to that. I actually like the judge, especially if your judges are like Tully Arn and Dean Malenko, like people that are well-respected. You could do something cool with that. Uh, I just don't think that, like, I, I honestly don't think that Jericho's going to go out there and have a 60-minute match, so it's going to be kind of irrelevant. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, let's get to one of the parts I've been really looking forward to talking about. Uh, we have the the elite, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, uh, going against the Hybrid 2, Jack Evans and Angelico, and Kip Sabian, Uh Good to see Kip back. I, I really liked him at first, and then we kind of haven't seen him much. Uh, I think he was on the first show, I believe. I don't even know that to be 100% sure. Maybe I saw him on um, AEW Dark, but I really I really like him. I think that he's got great uh, chemistry with the Bucks and also Kenny. Uh, but I like the match. I really did. I think that it was a good three-on-three, three. Uh, and Kenny and the Bucks ended up winning. Omega had a full 
Undertale costume, though, that uh, during his entrance, that really threw me off, I got to admit. Um, you know, with the fact that it seems like they're trying to incorporate their fans that would be the fans, for the most part, that would be watching being the elite. And I have been. And they've been going on every episode, like, acting as if the cleaner, you know, the old name and gimmick of Kenny Omega in New Japan is more of like an entity, like that he was, and now he hasn't been in a very long time. And kind of through the text that they were doing, and I, I'm used to him doing video game entrances with stuff like that. That doesn't bother me. I thought that's what they were setting up. I thought they were going to set this up going forward. He was going to come out with his leather jacket and his sunglasses, maybe his blonder hair, you know, and kind of represent like, this was me when I was fucking putting on Great Match for Okada, you know, couple of years ago when I first started spiking in popularity, and this is the one that's going to be going against John Moxley, and I'm going to fucking beat him. And instead, I didn't know what the hell. I thought he was the guy from Medieval. Uh, that's how old I am with video games, apparently. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know what the fuck uh, Undertale is. He had a panda fucking skeleton mask on. I just thought it was really fucking stupid. I didn't get it. I understand it's Halloween. Such an obscure reference. At least Rick and Morty has some relevance with your crowd. Uh, and then the Young Bucks, for some reason, came out again as Ryu and, and Ken, which was cool. But it was a hell of a lot cooler with Akuma last time. And I just thought this was a perfect opportunity to bring out the cleaner. Like, they keep on saying, you know, we need the cleaner. We need that version of Kenny. And Kenny's like, I'm going to be this person. And then I don't get it. That that I did not get. I'm not trying to shit on him too much. I just thought it was kind of dumb and I like the match. I'll just put it that way. I really did like the match. They're they're awesome together, but what the fuck was that, Chris? I, I'll start with the match. Let me start there. Um, Kenny Omega got an, another dominant win, so I still think you could have the cleaner character. Like, he beat the shit out of – I can't remember who – was it who, was it Jack Evans he pinned? I can't remember who he pinned, but – he just I believe so, yeah. hit him with a high knee. They didn't even do the Meltzer driver. He just hit the one-winged angel, and it was over. So it was a very much like Kenny Omega is, is back uh, type victory that they've done the past like two or three weeks, I think. And I appreciate that. I think that's good leading up to Moxley, especially, you know, Moxley's kind of going on this the time limit draw and the uh, tag team match that he lost. You're coming in with a guy who's lost the last two matches. This is unsanctioned. He's going to get a win, but it's not going to count. Um, I think that's a cool storyline that you can tell. And did he threaten to murder Kenny? Well, yeah, he's Moxley. <laughs> so probably <laughs> he said Kenny smells like the inside of his mom's purse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he probably does. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, entrance. <laughs> okay. So, Kota Ibushi's, a little 8-bit character of Kota Ibushi holding the G1 trophy, which is basically his title shot, was in this video. It talks about friends no more. It kind of talks about, from what I gather, it's talking about Kenny leaving, but, like, now he has no true friends, and he may need to... I, it seems like they're going to do something. He's going. He's got to go back to New Japan because he still has dates. So that's happening. So hopefully they're actually building this in. And there are rumors about AEW in New Japan finally working whatever beef they have out, especially with New Japan launching this, uh, which I don't think we actually talked about. New Japan is launching an American tour 
actually we did um, specifically out of the New Japan LA Dojo those guys so I could see them see them doing something it makes more sense if they're going to try to launch in America to work with AEW so they're to me that video just kind of set up there's going to be something with him and Coda in the future um, and he may potentially be turning on the Bucks because it says friends no more and then it's the you know the New Japan Lion talking and it says put a stock in it at the end so it's kind of they're kind of referencing that he's tiny, he's turning back into the cleaner and um, yeah so it was interesting I I heard multiple takes on it but that's kind of what I gathered out of it I don't know if 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 that's what you gathered out of it, but that's that's kind of what I grasped. Uh, I also hated the Undertale thing. I like Undertale as a video game. It's just a weird, obscure game for a mainstream TV audience to put out there. Like, I don't think a lot of people knew who he was. Like, unless you specifically played Undertale, you would just be like, who's this guy? Whereas, like, Street Fighter with, with Ken and Ryu, like, everyone knows who Ken and Ryu is. It's one of the biggest games of all time. Um, if you've ever played a video game ever or just been in an arcade in the 90s, you probably know who Ken and Ryu are, as opposed to, uh, you know, Undertale is a very specific RPG game. And I, like I said, I like it a lot. But <laughs> even for me as a huge gamer, I was kind of like, that's a weird choice. It would have been cool if you so, came out of Sephiroth. I could have really done that one up. I That's mean, kind it would have been cool too, if he just didn't come out with a gimmick and just beat ass. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cool because the storyline is he's about to go against a fucking crazy person who put him through a glass table two weeks ago. So <laughs> Kenny in the back trying to figure out which Undertale costume he's going to wear is some shit Ugh. that I would agree with Jim Cornette on. Maybe that's kind of dumb. Uh, for your top guy, but yeah, yeah, like I agree. And like, and if you're gonna do it, like I said, I think you should have picked something bigger than than Undertale. But you know, whatever. If you if you look up Kenny Omega entrance right now, Kotaku picked it up, Gamespot, Giant Bomb, all of the video game sites did pick it up. So it is opening to a what I would call a little bit of a different audience and kind of being a weird thing. And if you're an Undertale fan. Maybe you're like, fucking Kenny Omega is my new favorite wrestler. Uh, That's and, a good point. You know, like I said, he, he, he's he been in professional Street Fighter tournaments. He's big in that community. They obviously have done the match with Bailey at uh, the conference in Daytona. I can't think of the name right now. But I, I get what they're going for, and they are pandering to the gaming community a little bit. It's just you're on TNT now. <laughs> This guy's supposed to be your top star. People, like, if you just tuned in and you don't play video games, right? And you see this dude with a weird mask on, and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Um, so that that would be the only downside to it. Like I said, I like Undertale. I thought it was a weird choice specifically for Kenny Omega. And then the Ken and Ryu no, I... thing on top of it was like, those games don't even fucking go together. They're not even the same... <laughs> realm of shit <laughs> I mean if we're being honest that that threw me off more than anything else like why didn't the young bucks also come out as characters from Undertale there's a lot of characters in Undertale oh yeah alright well after the match uh, we kind of didn't really talk about Kenny left before the bucks and then Santana Ortiz came to the crowd and beat the shit out of him 
Uh, so good heel heat, you know, going after the Rock and Roll Express. And now the Young Bucks, who they're going to have a match with. Afterwards, we had uh, librarians uh, Peter Avalon and Alina Bates. I'm going to say this. With, with me watching them on Dark, I'm going to compare what they're trying to do. Kind of reminds me of what Stevie Richards and Ivory try to do with Right to Censor to an extent. Uh, I guess that's what they're trying to do, heel heat, but then Leva Bates becomes babyface sometimes, so it's very confusing. But either way, it doesn't fucking matter. Librarians were completely pointless in all this. Moxley came out, gave uh, you know the paradigm ship to Avalon, told them both to get out of here, and did a program, or, or a promo, I mean, on the unsanctioned match with Omega, complaining that AEW is setting it up so the match doesn't count, when he wins, Mockley says Omega's blood is on AEW's hands and that the executives who want him to make it unsanctionable can kiss his ass. Ooh, he said ass. I'm just kidding. Uh, pretty good promo. Like We kind of talked about this before, Chris. Uh, but I like the promo. I like seeing Moxley on Hinge. Uh, it, I want to see more promos out of him. And I liked him beating up the librarians. Uh, well, Peter Avalon, at least. Uh, what did you think about this? I hate the librarians. <laughs> did you? Did you see? You, we. I don't think. Are we going to talk about AEW Dark? Probably not. No, cool. probably not. Okay, so Peter Avalon cut a promo as a as a librarian of AEW Dark, and it started out with him talking about reading books. You're like, okay, that makes sense. And then he just cuts a historical reference about the sports team of the town he's in, like old school. It's like, you know, the Bengals suck or whatever. And I'm just like, God, dude. Like now you're doing the cliche heel gimmick plus being the librarian. I mean, if he's just going to be a jobber and get killed every week, I guess I don't care. But if they're actually trying to get that over as an act, um, yeah, it's terrible. I like your comparison to Ride the Censor because they also fucking sucked. So, <laughs> like – that's a good comparison. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Moxley coming out and killing them makes a lot of sense. Uh, the promo itself, like I said, it, it's the back and forth with the wins. It's more just that, you know, he didn't care about wins when he hit Pack with the uh, with the Paragon shift, and now he cares about wins, which that piece of it to me is still weird. But I thought it was a fiery promo. Moxley obviously has always been a good promo when he's not scripted. So uh, I think, you know, leading up to this pay-per-view, which is next weekend, I think we have one more show before the pay-per-view. Uh, I think so. Yeah. Um, I think I, I think he's going to get one more really, really good promo and probably a brawl between him and Kenny. I liked uh, LAX showing up, like, not only putting the Rock and Roll Ex- – beating the shit out of the Rock and Roll Express, but also showing up and fighting the Bucks until Kenny came to make the save, and they just kind of slowly walked away. Um, there were some crazy spots in the audience. Like, I know a few fans got <laughs> accidentally took some bumps on this. So maybe they, they should uh, be a little more careful. And then there was also this weird girl, if you're watching, if you haven't seen the episode, there's this girl, like one of the young bucks is like down on the ground selling, and she's like <laughs> trying to take a selfie. It's hilarious. Go back and watch it. She's like trying to get <laughs> Nick Jackson. In the photo, I remember that man. Selling. That was funny. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> that that may have been my favorite thing on the show because it just sums up 
modern society in general. This guy's like dying, and she's like, "Oh, let me take a selfie real quick." Oh my God, it's Nick Jackson! Yeah, I get a selfie with him. <laughs> like, like LAX just beat the shit out of him, and she's like, first thing, selfie with this dude dead on the ground." Well, let's let's go over this last match, man. And this was going on at the same time as the other uh, tag team championship match on NXT. So I was able to watch both amazing tag team matches at the same time, which is one. It's gonna it's gonna cause me to just have like a a stroke one of these days, trying to keep up with all this at the same time. Sensory overload for sure. But AEW tag team championship tournament finals, SCU Lucha Brothers. SCU ended up pulling the win. I like the. The concept that these guys, you didn't expect them to win. I don't think a lot of people did, but it made a lot of sense of why they would win. These are such a good unit. They were screwed over by the Lucha Bros. And it came up and kind of bit them in the ass a bit because SCU was much more motivated. Lucha Bros set up a package pile driver and top rope double stomp combination, but Scorpio Sky was able to counter into an inside cradle and pin Pentagon to win the match, the tournament, and the AEW Tag Team Championships. First Tag Team Champions... Uh, the the biggest critique that I think that most people said is that ending. Uh, I thought it was an awesome match. I just sometimes roll ups, especially the way that they did it, it was like the roll up happened out of nowhere, and then they they basically went home uh, directly after that. That was that was it. So it was kind of abrupt and a bit weird uh, based on that. But I like I see you, Frankie Kazarian, who's a badass, and Scorpio Sky having those championships. And I hope that, you know, they, they keep the Lucha Brothers as a tag team, but they kind of do some solo stuff with them. I, I kind of hope that after Kenny's done with Moxley, him and Pentagon are going to go back and forth maybe for that uh, mega championship. But uh, it, it will be interesting, uh, to say the least. Uh, Chris, what do you think about this championship ter- uh, final match? Do you think they're going to hotshot the titles at the pay-per-view? They could. Could I mean, winning with a roll-up, kind of point i mean i would say that the lucha brothers got the majority of the offense they put a dude through a table uh and they got a roll-up win but it makes sense if you're building towards the pay-per-view so if next week they come out and they're like okay well we're gonna do a title match at the pay-per-view i'm completely fine with what that finish was um because then they're gonna give us like an actual finish like a a non-roll-up finish at the pay-per-view that's the kind of weird thing about having a title change on, on TV sometimes is down the line, you're still building to something. So I didn't have as much problem with the finish. I love what they're doing with Scorpio sky. I think they're going to, I potentially think the SEU is going to break up because of Christopher Daniels uh, jealousy, which he plays a really good heel. Um, Unfortunately for Kazarian, he's going to be caught in the middle of this. Ray Phoenix did this spot in the corner about midway through the match where he did a wrist lock and is you know all it was was like a uh, kind of like an arm drag but i swear he hit the bottom rope the middle rope the top rope the top turnbuckle like this dude <laughs> he's a real life superhero dane uh was fucking crazy shut up he was an absolute monster in this match and um as far as the roll-up you know it, it was weird that lucha brothers didn't do a beat down afterwards but I loved that they just sold their disappointment so hard because to me that put the titles over. It's just that I think that people aren't used to seeing that. Because if it was WWE, you know, if they got beat with a roll-up, the heel team would have did a beat down immediately after. And that's what we're used to. That's kind of what we're conditioned to. But 
you could see like Phoenix and Pentagon selling how pissed they were that they lost, how baffled they were that they lost because they put Kazarian through a, a fucking table like they thought they had it wrapped up. I loved this match. I loved everything about it. I can't wait until these guys wrestle again. Um, there was some incredible in-ring work. Kazarian's been on fire. Like my first experience with Frankie Kazarian was in TNA, and this is a whole different fucking wrestler at this point. Like this, Billy Ray Cyrus. He was absolutely incredible the past two weeks. So, yeah, I I'm gushing, but I loved the fuck out of this match. It was definitely probably my favorite. I would say definitely my favorite match of the entire week. Well, let's do this. Uh, you know, uh, who won the Wednesday Night War? Uh, I thought that both shows were awesome, but I will give the edge actually to AEW. I thought that some of the stuff that they did outside the ring was as good as some of the stuff they did inside the ring. That's not taking away from NXT. But then again, I mean, in the concept of the two brands themselves, NXT definitely gets some um, some extra added stuff to it uh, with SmackDown, which we'll talk about uh, a, a little bit later towards the end of the show. But either way, both shows are fucking awesome, and Wednesday night is the wrestling night. Uh, I just thought AEW really set up their pay-per-view coming up just amazingly. Uh, Chris, what would you think? Uh, I tend to lean towards AEW. I, for whatever reason, the, the way that they've been telling storylines has hooked me more than NXT, but I do think NXT was also a really, really good show. And I'm watching both of them. Um, I'm not trying to do the back and forth thing that you're doing anymore. I tried that like two weeks in a row, and I'm like, I'm going to lose my mind. So I'm just recording, <laughs> recording one and watching the other live and then watching the next one after, because otherwise I'm not going to The, the really funny thing. Some people that are reviewing it, Chris, are actually doing like what they did back in the day, where they they literally go they go between channels, and I'm like, I wouldn't want to do that. Like you're missing a bunch of stuff. Like if I had option to watch both of them back in the day, I would have. But it's something that that reminds them, I guess, of their childhood to an extent. And I I get it. I mean, it was fun, but I'd rather either watch them both at the same time or watch them one after the other. Yeah. So I, I watch them one after the other to try to give it more of a. Uh a fair review of what I'm seeing in the ring for the most part, but I actually really liked the NXT show. Just, I didn't really get any huge developments and storylines there. And AEW geared me towards seeing at least wanting to see three matches to the pay-per-view. That's I think is a week away. So um, on that standpoint, I thought AEW was the better show, but they're kind of different shows. One is like booked like you would see raw or SmackDown, but that actually makes fucking sense. And the other one is like, this is just a fucking wrestling show. We're going to have some good ass wrestling. Um, so depending on what matches are on NXT, I think my opinion is going to vary a lot. Yep. All right. Well, let's get to the next thing uh, to talk about. We had a pay-per-view on Thursday, uh, WWE crown jewel uh, over in Saudi Arabia. That would cause a lot of uh, additional issues, if you will, uh, that would play out last night with SmackDown. But um, the, the pay-per-view itself started off with Brock Lesnar uh, going against Cain Velasquez. Uh, and I, I, there are a lot of people that were kind of upset with this, and I get it. Uh, it was a very fucking short match. Definitely didn't do anything uh, beneficial, I think, for Cain Velasquez within it. But they were trying to play it off like an MMA fight. And for the most part, they kind of did. And it, it, within MMA... There is that concept that even if you're getting the better, out of nowhere, you can lose like that. And that's kind of what they kind of set up. He got Brock with a pretty good kick. 
and then went right after him uh, to try to take him out. But Brock was deflecting with his kicks until basically uh, it looked like um, Velasquez kind of tripped and fell into a Kamara. The way they did it, I think, was really good. It's just very – it's funny how Brock, you know, it's like I'm going to be at the beginning and then I'm going to get the hell out of my jet. That's exactly <laughs> what he did. But um, after the match, Lesnar continued to attack Velasquez with a steel chair and an F5 until Rey Mysterio made the save and started nailing him with some more chair shots. And we knew that at the beginning of SmackDown, Brock uh, and Paul Heyman came out, and Brock has unfinished business with Rey Mysterio and has decided to leave SmackDown to go to Raw to take out Rey Mysterio Jr. So they're definitely setting that up. And what they're doing, essentially, even though I kind of, as an MMA fan, I do find insulting, they're setting up this concept that now Brock has a win against Cain Velasquez, so they're going to set up, I guess, another match with them in the future. Uh, apparently, Cain really wanted to do some Lucha Libre, and they kiboshed all that right off the, right off the start. So that kind of sucks. So they're going to develop him. Rey Mysterio and Brock should be good. Uh, but, yeah, that was the match. Chris, what did you think about this start with the WWE Championship match and Brock beating Cain Velasquez? Being that Brock shifted to Raw. I don't have as much of a problem with it. Before, I was like, I was trying to figure out what the hell they were doing with the draft because Rey Mysterio is on Raw, Brock is on SmackDown, um, and then obviously the Fiend winning the title changed that stuff. I still don't understand how Brock can just decide where he wants to go. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't get that. Uh, the match itself, I thought was fine. I mean, like. Some of the short Brock matches are great. This one was not one that I would put in, like, the top five really great Brock short matches. I wish he would have hit, like, one German or something, and then people probably wouldn't have been as upset. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was fine. I, I just don't know where they're going with this because it's going to be highly unbelievable that Rey Mysterio has any shot in hell of beating Brock Lesnar as strong as they've booked Brock for the past, I don't know, four years at this point. And um, it also doesn't help that later on in the show, the move that he got beat by, the curb stomp, gets utilized like 85 fucking times to no avail. So, I mean, yeah, I, that's a very good point. But I, I like Brock. I, I thought this was a Brock match, and I think you're 100% right. He was like, uh, all right, I'll just go on first, and then fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> 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 and I liked Brock's oh. look in the press conference with the suit and the sunglasses, by the way. Um, Kane didn't do himself any favors. Like, he showed up for this conference weigh-in or whatever they were doing. He's just in, like, a shirt and shorts. Like, he would be for a UFC thing. Brock showed up looking like a fucking champion. <laughs> like, full suit, saddle belt over his arm. To me, the, the biggest problem here is, like, Maybe you should have done the Rey Mysterio match first with Kane as an outside enforcer or something, and then had him break Rey's arm. Because is, is Rey still hurt? I think Rey is still hurt, right? I'm not sure. So you could have done a quick Kimura lock and, and did that match as opposed to Kane. I think you should have saved Kane. I understand why they did it. They were like, we need a big match for this Saudi show. Um,. I don't know how happy the fans were with the fact that it only went two minutes, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to say thumbs down. I'm just going to put thumbs in the middle. 
on this match. <laughs> I, I thought, like, as far as, like, a worked UFC fight goes, this is not the worst one I've seen. So. No. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, we had the uh, tag tag team uh, turmoil. Uh, basically, it was a fucking gauntlet match with, with tag teams. I don't know why you have to give it some stupid name. Uh, but it was for the best tag team in the world uh, cup. Either way, this is way better than the fucking tournament for the best uh, wrestler in the world. I will say that. And I think that it, the way that they set it up, I think they did a really good job because it made Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode look really strong at the beginning because they got uh, a bunch of wins collectively before they got eliminated. And then the New Day kind of did that later on. Uh, and Kofi looked a hell of a lot better in this than he has been lately. Um, I'm pretty sure he still took the loss in it. But either way, they pinned the um, the SmackDown champs, a revival, which set up, even though Friday didn't happen, but would have made more sense for them not to fucking say anything after they just lost and gave this as the reason of why they were going against Revival last night. Like I said, that didn't happen because of the plane issues. Um, But also, it looks like the Good Brothers, who can use this now, very heelish, that they're the best tag team in the world. They beat the Viking Raiders, who are the Raw champions, which gives them a good reason to go against the Viking Raiders for the belts in the future. So I thought... I thought overall this was really put together well. It was a lot of just moves, <laughs> not a lot of story, but it's a gauntlet match. That's kind of what the fuck they are. So it was long as hell, but, you know, it kept my attention for the most part. Chris, what do you think about this? Instead of seeing a bunch of different tag teams in my mind, I just felt like I was watching the same match for forever. Did you feel that way? <laughs> yeah, sometimes I did, yeah. Yeah, because it just felt like they were just all kind of doing the same match, but as a gauntlet match, it's just fine. I, I like that the club won, and you have a legitimate challenger for the Viking Raiders, and hopefully they do something with AOP. Um, so maybe they're focusing their tag division a little more, because that that's kind of what I gathered out of it. Uh, I don't like Kofi taking the pin to lose, especially after he got beat like a fucking geek by Brock recently. And they put him over so hard for like eight months. Like, I don't know, unless you're turning him heel or something, that just seemed really weird. And maybe that's where they're going because Xavier Woods is out for probably a year. He tore his Achilles running the ropes, which is crazy. Uh, um, so the New Day is basically just Xavier Woods and, or not Xavier Woods, but Big E and Kofi. So if you're going to do a heel turn for either of those guys, maybe that's the time. Maybe Kofi, Kofi gets frustrated and does a heel turn. I think that he would be the best heel of that group. I, Xavier Woods would be great at it, but I don't. He doesn't have the same credibility as as Kofi does, as far as former championships and win loss and all that good stuff. So maybe they go that route. If they go that route, then I probably will feel a lot different. But if it's just New Day, is just New Day again, and Kofi took a loss and got murdered by Brock, and he seems like. WWE's just like, yeah, we gave you this, but now we're taking it away, and he's just going to be Kofi again. Uh, that kind of sucks because they put him over so strong, and he's kind of just launched back into obscurity of what the SmackDown tag division is going to be, which I think is like the New Day, um, fucking the B team, Hawkins and Ryder. Like all the good tag teams are on Raw, unless I'm completely crazy. I can't even remember what fucking tag teams on what, honestly, at this point. Well, um, I mean, to be fair, the draft lasted like fucking 11 days before they started having people on multiple shows. Ray Mysterio, for instance. 
so who's like yeah that's a good point well let's go into what I consider Chris I don't know it's either between this next match or the US championship match but um, I think the next match might have been the best match on the card and the one after that probably was the worst fucking one on the card uh, but we had Mansoor going against Cesaro. Mansoor, obviously, is the hometown hero of Saudi Arabia. He won the contest to get trained. Uh, I saw him on the NXT house show uh, not too long ago, and he was great. He cut a promo beforehand. You can tell he's got a lot of charisma. Uh, and he went against Cesaro, who's a fucking a master man, uh, someone that's uh, completely underutilized uh, within that could really honestly be one of those guys that should go back to NXT and just fucking dominate. But he he helped out make Mansoor look amazing in this match, and they both had a really good match. Mansoor won the match with a moonsault, and after he cut a really emotional promo saying that this was the biggest win of his career, and I don't and I actually believe him because of you know the the all the details within it. I don't think I don't really consider that bullshit. So it it was good to see that. Then we had fucking Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman. <sighs> yeah. Um. <laughs> I don't even that know why Fury's risked. I don't even know why Fury's doing some of the stuff. I will give him that credit that he did some stuff in a match that I don't see a lot of celebrities attempt. Still, not a good fucking idea that he should do that since you know he's still the active boxing champion. Um, I just thought that Braun Strowman and him—they just look like two lumbering idiots, like two giants trying to like you know fight over like a bean or something like that. I really. It was, uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was great. Then Tyson hit him in the face, and Braun Strowman couldn't get in the ring and won from a dead count. So it was kind of like a boxing match, except for Braun looks like a fucking geek, and Tyson goes back to being the champion and one of the biggest in boxing in the heavyweight division after this. Yeah, good stuff, right, Chris? Yeah, it definitely made me want Wilder to knock this fucker clean out, though. <laughs> get him off my wrestling. This was terrible. Like, that match was terrible. I knew it was going to be terrible, but I didn't know actively how bad it was going to piss me off. Like, that's how little they see of Braun. They're just going to have him lose, like, a technical – they called it a technical not knockout. He lost to a 10-count DQ, and then they're like, okay, you're going to get in the ring and hit your power slam. That's going to get, you know, all your momentum back. It's like, no, dude, he lost to a non-wrestler in a wrestling match. Like, he could have done anything. Like, there's... So fucking stupid. Everything about that shit was stupid. At least with, like, Floyd Mayweather, he just kicked Big Show in the balls and hit him with a punch and knocked him out. Like, if they would have done that, I'd have been like, fine. Whatever. They did that. He cheated and he won. I would have been... Or if he had a loaded boxing glove. Like, there's so many ways you could have done this match without having an actual match. This shit was awful. Everything about that, the booking... The build-up, all of it was terrible. Tyson's Fury, I think Brian Alvarez said it. Uh, no, it was filthy Tom Waller said it best. He's worse than Jabaley. Jabaley's a way better wrestler than <laughs> professional athlete Tyson Fury, which sounds insane, but is actually true if you watch those two matches back-to-back. Um, yeah, I don't think I can bury this one, that one any harder. Uh, the Mansoor match was fucking awesome. Cesaro was great. Easily the best match on the show to me, um, specifically because you kind of know going in that uh, Umberto had lost the last two matches against AJ Styles and fought a battle royal. 
and he's not going to win the title there. So he just, I just kind of that that threw me off more than anything else. It's like, well, he's already lost twice, so it's really hard to get behind him. Um, and I they gave him a strong win in the battle royal, which I'm fine with. It's just if you're trying to get this guy over by having him lose to AJ Styles week after week, I don't know that that's the way to do it. Uh, but the uh, Mansoor match, for sure, I thought was really great. There were some moments where you could see Cesaro kind of coaching him through stuff, which, like, ring general style, which I thought was amazing. I'm not going to say – Mansoor, he hasn't had that many televised matches, and I thought he was at, he was phenomenal. Easily one of the best workers on the show. I hope they do something with this guy besides just have him in Saudi Arabia because he's – I love to me, if you can have more that, on NXT. Yeah, like, I thought he had a really great match with Cesaro. There's lots of people on NXT who are great wrestlers that he could also have great matches with. Um, and, obviously, he was the most overperson on the show, but he did cut a really passionate babyface promo. And I was like, damn, if only WWE realized they could do this in every home city of any wrestler instead of just having them look like fucking nerds and get their ass kicked. Like, I know. Like, they had Bailey. Ugh. She was, like, the biggest baby face of all time. What do they do when they brought her up? She just loses in San Jose, her hometown, right off the bat. <laughs> like, they do dumb shit like that all the time. And then they go to Saudi, and they're like, well, we got to have this guy win. And he looks like a goddamn megastar baby face. I don't understand why they think wrestling is this goddamn hard sometimes. At least the main roster. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, dude, it's it's like... I appreciate the way that they've uh, situated these matches because I guess they knew that Fury and Strowman was going to be the drizzling shits because it's like they gave us a shit sandwich and a croissant because they had Mansar go and Cesaro go at it, then the fucking Strowman and Fury match, and then the AJ and uh, Humberto match. And I thought that was another fucking great match, United States Championship match. Like you said, we kind of knew what was going to happen, but I love that AJ's willing, just like Daniel Bryan and a lot of other guys, to work with some of these newer guys from the next generation of uh, people coming into it, kind of in the same category as your Ali's, your Buddy Murphy's, that group of people. And uh, they had a great match. And um, Styles won the championship back uh, with a phenomenal forearm. But uh, good stuff. Um, any any uh, last statements before we move over to the next match, Chris? I, I will say when they um, – with AJ Styles, I think he's really happy to be back with the club. And – being able to travel with those guys, you can kind of tell. Um, but I, there was a Meltzer question earlier that what would it have taken to get Omega to go to WWE? And what he came back with was, well, he wanted to have a match. I think he said a 30-minute match with AJ Styles at WrestleMania, plus I can't remember the amount of money that he said. Obviously, it didn't happen, but it makes me super sad it never happened specifically talking about AJ Styles because I, I, that is the one match that I would love to see between those two brands for sure is AJ and Kenny. I think they would have an absolute banger of a match. Absolutely. I definitely agree. All right, this next match, you know, you can say what you will about the whole Saudi Arabia thing, and I, I agree to the most extent, especially. I mean, I was worried about the guys, I hate to say that, you know, with the whole plane situation because it just took them forever to get back. Obviously, it was malfunctions and and whatnot, but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's a uh, it's it's a very interesting world. I'll just put it at that. And we had the first women's uh, wrestling match 
uh, in Saudi Arabia with Natalia going against Lacey Evans. I Right off the bat, though, it kind of just sucked, Chris, because Natalia's coming out. She's kind of soaking in the whole entire concept. You can tell by both women at the end of this, it really meant a lot to them. You know, hugging girls in the audience, both crying in the ring. Uh, very emotional moment. And someone, right, right as Natalia is like walking out, someone nails her in the head with a, a, a water bottle. So, fucking hope that person was escorted out. Who knows? I'm not going to act like the match was that great. They've pretty much had the same stuff, but I think the concept itself is good, and you could tell that it meant a lot to both wrestlers, especially Lacey Evans. She looked, uh, you know, this is a good thing, right, Chris? It's a good thing, but it's also a money grab for WWE, so I feel kind of jaded on it. You know what I mean? I, I think it's great that Natalia was able to work this match, considering her and Alexa were supposed to work last time, and they canceled it right beforehand, even after they were visiting like children hospitals and stuff in Saudi and doing all that work. And uh, then they just shit canned their match right beforehand. Um, and also, they weren't really allowed to have the kind of match I think those two are capable of. If I'm just talking about the match itself, um, I will say. As you know, I wasn't the hugest Lacey Evans fan, but it seems like she has gotten a lot better. Uh, probably working with Natalia doesn't uh, like hurt, but this match was kind of bad. And uh, yeah, that sucks. Natalia's like super stoked on this, super happy to be doing this. I mean, as far as pro wrestling thing, I, I mean, there's other females that have performed in Saudi before, so it's not unheard of. But it, for WWE, it was a huge deal and, and a big thing. Um, it really does suck, followed by all the plane controversy. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, so it, I'm, I, as everyone knows who listens to this podcast, I'm kind of jaded on this show in general, <laughs> and the idea of doing this show. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm glad that they both really liked that they did it and they had this match, and and hopefully it inspires people. So from that standpoint, it's cool, but at the same time, it's just like another thing that WWE could say that they did, and that's what it felt like to me. No, I, I mean, that's always there. I agree with you on that. Uh, I mean, it, that if match... they were going to really do it, if they were really going to do this, like to have a big female match, like Becky wasn't on the show, Charlotte wasn't on the show, Sasha wasn't on the show, Um. I mean, there's things about this that I just like just from a booking standpoint as well. Like they just picked, I mean, Natalia, I, I feel fine with because she, like I said, she got kind of shit canned off the last show. It sucks, but they didn't actually put a big star there and the fans kind of didn't care about the match. Like you said, they threw shit at Natalia, which is terrible. Like I wouldn't do that to any wrestler. This shit isn't WCW in the nineties. You don't litter the ring with trash or the eighties where you throw batteries at people and shit. So I don't know. I, I, I'm spinning now. I'm just gonna let's just move forward. <laughs> All right, I guess. Well, we had um, the match. Uh, I, this was actually a lot of fun. Uh, it ended up being a lot of fun, at least in the match. Nothing great or well, nothing crazy or anything like that. But Team Hogan, Roman Reigns, Rusev, Ricochet, Ali, and Shorty G going against Team Flair, Randy Orton, King Corbin, Bobby Lashley, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Drew McIntyre. Not a lot of rhyme or reason for this match. I mean, it really just ended up at the ending with, um, I think what happened was Ali and Ricochet uh, 
both did dives towards two of the opponents. I want to say it was Shinsuke and Drew McIntyre. And then Shory G did a moonsault off one side. Uh, Rusev nailed Bobby Lashley on the other side of the ring with a machka kick. And that set up Roman Reigns, who had just kicked out of an RKO, to get a spear on Randy Orton and get the win. Um, the two things from this, I will say, I did like the match. It was fun. Uh, well, well, number one out of three, I, I don't get the Shorty G fucking bullshit, but that's besides that. Sucks that Ric Flair had to be the one that lost. I mean, I guess you would position him as a heel in this, but really, who the fuck do the fans look at as a heel and babyface nowadays in actuality? Uh, so it was just one way for Hogan to get a one-up, and I hate this. You've never beaten me crap because it's like they pick and choose whether or not to document stuff that's happened in WCW based on what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> so uh, there's there's that. Uh, but either way, the fun stuff, I will say, you know, Randy Orton with all that elite crap, it's very uh, telling that he was the one who ate the loss. Not that I, I think Randy gives a shit, but also had to almost go to a punt uh, because his RKO didn't work on Roman Reigns, but was obviously, you know, sc- screwed over from that. But what do you think about this match, Chris? Team Hogan versus Team Flair. Well, biggest pop of the night was Randy Orton hitting the RKO. What? <laughs> Which was crazy to me. I will say the crowd uh, outside the Natalia thing, like you said, was really hot for every match. But like when he hit the RKO, that place fucking lost their shit, <laughs> which is which was awesome. Um, I thought it was a really fun match. It to me it went a little long, uh, but outside of that, there was some. I hate the Shorty G shit. I hated Ricochet's. He's a real life superhero costume gimmick because it's Halloween he's cosplaying or whatever. I, fuck, I hated that shit too. Um, outside of that, as far as the ring work stuff went, there was I, I would say the the person who looked the worst was probably Bobby Lashley and they really are just building the him and Rusev stuff. Everyone else was fucking phenomenal in these matches. It was fun. Um, definitely a pick-me-up from the most the, the majority of the show, let's say, because I thought the U.S. title match was just kind of eh. And the Montour match and Cesaro match was great, and this match I thought was was good. Um, Roman getting a win here, I, I have no problem with. I, I I don't know what they're going to be doing with Roman, but him getting the win, I I just assumed that they were going to give Ricochet the win over Drew McIntyre, and they didn't do that. Uh, but the dive spot with the spear at the end, I thought I thought was pretty cool as far as a finish in front of a live crowd goes. Yeah, I thought the last ending sequence was pretty damn good, man. Uh, they hit it pretty well. That's actually kind of goes back since we're not going to go back to it. Uh, with NXT, God, it was pissing me off during Finn Balor's, uh, you know, uh, when he was cutting this uh, promo that they kept on screwing up the camera direction. Like Finn was looking in the right cameras and they'd change it on accident, try to shuffle back. Tonight, they were, you know, they kind of caught a majority of the action, and there was a lot fucking going on. So, uh, from a production standpoint, obviously, I have newer guys learning with NXT, but you can tell the difference sometimes just by, you know, stuff like that, at least to me, well, I, um, with camp I, breaks. I would say that part of that is that they sent half their production crew to uh, Saudi, so they probably That's grabbed a good point. NXT as well. Um, I was actually surprised that SmackDown was as good as it was. Uh, production-wise, because, you know, while I think there was, like, 20 wrestlers that were stuck there, but there was, like, 100 other people that helped make those shows run. They were also stuck there. 
Uh, and I think, you know, as wrestling fans, we don't really think about the behind the scenes a lot, but there's a lot of like lighting. Well, yeah. Setting up the ring, all that shit. Like, no, I agree with you, guys. but I'm talking about, I'm talking about Finn on Wednesday night uh, during his, I don't think. Yeah. They yeah. I know. That's what, I, what I was saying is I'm, I'm sure that they pulled, I'm sure they pulled production people from NXT to go to Saudi. Yeah. Um, just because of how big, I mean, they basically, they basically tried to make that show like a WrestleMania. I'm assuming they pulled as many. They really did. Based on the fact, yeah, based on the fact they said there was 120 people stuck, I'm assuming that they had a lot of employees that were in different spaces. So, you know, they would have had to leave Tuesday, realistically. Um, so I'm assuming that, that that was part of the weird production on NXT. Um, and we didn't yeah, really talk sense. about it, but AEW still had some production issues this week as well. Oh yeah. Uh, specifically, they had this moment with a uh, private party in the Rock and Roll Express, which I could only see picture in picture with a commercial, and they were talking to each other, and I was like, "That's a moment that I want to see on this show." Like private party talking to Rock and Roll Express before they came out and did the thing, and got the beat down. Like, why the fuck is that not a thing? <laughs> yeah, that that timing stuff. They definitely need to tweak what's going on during the breaks. WWE, as as annoying as it is. We know when it's going to throw to a break. At least they have that like kind of more down pat of uh, being able to work through commercials and stuff. So I agree with you on that. Do you want to talk about this Universal Championship match in red? I mean, <laughs> not really, but we can do it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> well, look, I, I will I will give them credit for this. The red is annoying. I hope that they stop doing that. But as far as how they position this match – Yes, it makes sense. Seth needs a new fucking finisher now. It looks terrible. But the way that they, they made it go around the audience, they're trying to make Bray like a horror movie character. That's the whole point of him. He's kind of Mankind meets Jason or whatever. So he stalks. You know, Seth thinks that he's killed him, and obviously he hasn't. That whole ending with all the electronic things breaking up in him. A lot of cinematography, I will give them credit, looked pretty damn cool for this horror movie element that I think that I and Chris both can appreciate to that level. But let's get down to it. When it also comes down to it, it was a fucking pay-per-view too late. You've killed a lot of the momentum that you had built for the theme just between these two goddamn events to extend a few that really didn't need to happen. Now it's confusing because you got the, the red belt going to SmackDown and the blue belt going to fucking Raw, which is kind of confusing. Um, so I don't know how they're going to do anything. Obviously, we're supposed to have... Bray on, uh, yes, last night, but that didn't happen because of everything. But I love that he, he's a champion. It just, you know, he didn't need the belt to begin with. You know, there shouldn't have been a championship match. If you're going to put the two of them together, give him the belt. That last Hell in a Cell was stupid. I did like the ending. I thought it was really cool. Seth needs to go heel, and I think he needs to start doing the pedigree or something else because his finisher looks stupid. And get rid of the red light. Now the effect's over. Just start beating motherfuckers with, with, with the fiend, you know, just him destroying someone in the ring like he was doing. And then unless until he gets someone that's a, a good opponent to build something off of. That's what I would be doing. A lot of sacrifices. Even Randy Orton. Uh, Chris, what did you think about this last match? And the fiend being your new universal champion. It sucks. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. I hate the red light gimmick. It was just a very, very long. I think it went 22 minutes. Um, the beatdown didn't make any sense because they just did Hell in a Cell, and there was giant hammers involved and small hammers involved. 
Uh, we got none of that here. Uh, I don't know, Dane. I don't. I don't fucking. I, actually, this is the shit that makes me dislike WWE booking like the most. If you were gonna do this and have a draft, why didn't you just have him fucking win the title at Hell in a Cell? Like no one knows, bro. What what is the reasoning? <laughs> what what is the reasoning to not have him just win at Hell in a Cell? So like as soon as like, there's there were two ways out of this match. You either have the Fiend win or you use some kind of thing with Braun. That's what I thought. I, I thought for sure they're gonna do something with Braun. Where he somehow attacks the fiend and or whatever, and then they set that up and they do a weird trade or something. Instead, we get a title switch, and then Brock Lesnar is Brock Lesnar, so he's able to do whatever the fuck he wants. I guess <laughs> he's just going to be on Raw now. So uh, the other question that it, it it jars me because I assumed, well, you put Bray on Raw, you do some kind of you know either you you put Bray on Raw. And then he has a bunch of matchups with more what I would consider character-type wrestlers, right? And you leave Brock on SmackDown because you have, like, Kane and Shorty G and, like, actual legitimate, like, shoot wrestlers and stuff that he could do. But they flip-flopped it, and now I'm just trying to figure out who the hell is going to be challenging Bray for the title. I guess Daniel Bryan is Daniel Bryan's on SmackDown, so I'm assuming that he's the guy who's going to be challenging Bray for this title, right? I don't know, man. I have no idea. Also, with the whole Survivor Series, are they really saying that they're going to position like they've done in the past, Adam Cole going against the Fiend and fucking Brock Lesnar? Like that's stupid. Like, I, I, there's a lot of questions I have with all of this. I don't even know what's going on, I, but... I mean, if they do that, and if if their shooter... If they put Brock in there, and their shooter is Matt Riddle, then that could be fucking awesome. Well, they'd have to get the, the belt off Adam Cole pretty quickly uh, the next couple of weeks, which could happen. I almost thought that they might well, do I mean, that last uh, night, where Daniel Bryan unexpectedly wins it, goes to NXT, and then is the new NXT champion to be going against Brock Lesnar and, and Bray, which he has history with both guys. But they didn't do that, obviously. kind of want to talk about so SmackDown you, before we get out of here. Yeah, yeah. But real quick, like, would you be happier if they just didn't do a title match and they just had a stacked-ass team for both teams? Like all three teams? That's, that's fine, this, too. That's... You, to me, you don't have to have a title match, right? You could just have... Like, this is the Survivor Series match, and here's all the superstars, and you're going to have Matt Riddle, and you're going to have Adam Cole, and you're going to have Ciampa, and then you're going to have Lesnar, and you're going to have, like, do that instead, because that sounds more entertaining to see, like, someone like Ciampa and Lesnar facing off, uh, and even if it's just, like, a weird tag match to me, then, like, you know, just a random-ass championship match got thrown together in three weeks. Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. It's, it's, uh... It's interesting, and I will say, uh, I guess this will kind of be a preview uh, to what's to come, but we'll, we'll talk about SmackDown on uh, Wednesday more in detail because I think a lot of stuff's going to happen on Raw that will kind of go into this more, and then we'll, we're going to cover NWA Power. That happens on Tuesday. Um, and maybe uh, split up. You know, the fact that we have two shows now that we can normally go to, 
really helps out uh, for us to be able to cover stuff more in detail. I will say, in the small amount of time that we have, let's talk about, Chris, some of this um, stuff involving, uh, you know, WWE as a company uh, in multiple ways. You know, we've already known about just as, just a video game that has been fucking doing terrible and was literally on Twitter uh, reported as, you know, you know, with a hashtag, save 2K20 with all the glitches because Ukes left and all that, but that doesn't even stop from there. You know, within their stock market, within their 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 live shows, give us some details of of, of how bad they're doing. Because let me, from what I from what I gather, even though they went against the World Series, SmackDown was the lowest ratings last week on Fox ever. Period. Even if it was on FS1. Yeah, it, in history. Uh, in the history of SmackDown, they went. They had. 840,000 viewers on FS1, which is just insane. That's like uh, the first week. To sum this up, this is, that's basically the first week's rating of what Dynamite was. And obviously Dynamite didn't go against, like, competition and didn't get moved to a separate channel. But just to put it in perspective, like SmackDown three weeks ago pulled almost four. The, the debut on Fox had four million people, essentially. So the drop-off, it, it, it dropped back down once The Rock was gone. It was down around its normal number, let's say 2.3 to 2.5 million people. Um, that number was kind of shocking. Uh, they did their stock call, and they have projections of the WWE Network has went down 9%. They're projecting it to go down 10% in the next quarter. It's sitting at 1.5 now, so it'll probably go down to 1.4, 1.3. And if it continues in that trend, you could see the WWE Network itself being around like 1 million middle of next year. One, that means – like there's a lot of good content on WWE Network, but it means no one cares about your pay-per-views, uh, which is bad. Uh, and the, the fans that you do have are there because there is other content about wrestling there is almost what it seems like. You know what I mean? Um, and as far as, like, the house show numbers and the other things that they were talking about specifically was, like, they did less house shows, so the average stayed up, but they also raised ticket prices. Anytime you see someone raise ticket prices but they have less attendance, the average is going to go there, but the fans, the diehard fans are kind of the ones that pay for it, which sucks. Uh, I kind of feel they might do the same thing with the WWE Network with the tier pricing they've been talking about. Overall, it was not a good call, and they sold it as it was a good call, and Vince wasn't there because he was in Saudi, so he he didn't really make any statements. Triple H didn't really make any statements. Uh, you know the meme where everything is fine? <laughs> the little dog with all the fire around him? That's kind of what that <laughs> stockholder call was. I think, you know, WWE has such a platform. Um, and if they just move in the right direction, I think they're going to be, you know, they're going to be fine. I don't think that, you know, the company is not going to shut down or anything after this. But we went from stock prices of $100 down to, I think it was 58 at the time of that conference call. So, yeah, weird, weird shit. And um, they still haven't fixed the house shows that they thought they had the solution to. NXT being on TV obviously gives them another generator of money before they were just losing money on NXT. Just weird overall, man. Any thoughts? 
I'm just worried. Well, I don't know necessarily if I should be worried because it's it's just not good, man. And um, you know, I want wrestling to be strong, and obviously, they're the strongest organization as many of the faults that it has. I want it to not have issues, and they seem to be having multiple issues uh, with changing television stations and you know, um, attendance and everything that you just said, uh, their numbers for viewers, uh, for night for DVR, uh, even, you know, people are just getting sick of her on SmackDown. I'm glad what happened on SmackDown happened though. Even if it was an accident, they need to build NXT as a proper brand itself and expose it to more people, a part of their fan base in a larger sense. Um, and, uh, yeah, the the whole thing with the video game that just happened was fucking terrible. Like they're, they're losing money left and right. They need to get smarter people in charge of certain divisions and really trying to handle shit because it seems like with Vince getting older and Vince trying to put his hands in so many pots, the XFL is another thing that a lot of us are just going, why? But you know, he's going to do whatever. It just, it's, it's, uh, so very interesting and telling of the future um, of what's going to happen, especially, Chris, with all this competition out there nowadays. Yeah, and I mean, as a wrestling fan, I don't think we have to – WWE is not going anywhere. It only really matters to people that are worried about how much money WWE makes. Like, they're not, they're not going to close down. Um, what should happen is they see the shit that's falling apart and try to fix it, and that makes the company better. That's what you would expect. Um, but there's so much great wrestling out there. It's not – I don't think – you know, WWE is not going to start firing um, big-time athletes that they have. It's not going to be like AEW is now finding uh, Roman Reigns because WWE can't pay him. I don't – you know, they're still a billion-dollar company. They're going to be fine. But it does show that people are tired and, and of these WWE games getting released that always have fucking glitches right off the bat. Um, they're tired of Raw and SmackDown just being – the same show, even after you promised them that SmackDown was going to be different. It was supposed to be more sports-based, and uh, wins and losses mattered, and they were trying to do basically the same thing AEW is doing, and then you watch fucking SmackDown, and it's just SmackDown. Uh, you keep troping back out the same wrestlers, and like people love Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan, but they can watch Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan on YouTube. Um, it's, I don't know. I don't know how you fix it. There's not, like, an actual answer. I'm curious to see what the SmackDown ratings were, specifically because they had so many people from NXT. Uh, because, like, Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole, like, are, like that's shit that people want to see. So I'm assuming that number is actually going to jump up once people figured out what was going on. Yeah, that's the interesting thing for sure, is going to find out what the ratings are for last night. But I think that's a good time to uh, kind of close up the show. And, um, yeah, guys, we'll be back uh, Thursday, uh, 7 p.m. We'll be talking about Monday Night Raw. We'll be talking about SmackDown uh, from this last Friday, just the details of it, and basically the NXT invasion that I'm wondering if stuff's going to continue with this like it usually does, the build-up for Survivor Series on Raw. And then, of course – Everything that happens in the Wednesday Night War, little details here and there. The stuff that we don't cover on Thursday's show, we'll be covering next week, next Saturday, which we'll be getting ready to do a pre-show for the Top Gear pay-per-view from AEW, which is going to be a lot of fucking fun. So thank you, everyone, that's been listening tonight, uh, or today, I should say. God, man. (laughs) For whenever you listen to this, uh, thank you guys for listening. Check out Wrestling Geeks Alliance, like I said, every Thursday at 7 and uh, noon on Saturdays 
Also, I have a show called Monday Suck, where I talk about a lot of, uh, you know, different things and interview people, uh, politics, movies, wrestling, what have you, from different friends. Sometimes even Chris comes on uh, talk about stuff. Um, and I'll be next Monday. It's bi-weekly, so next Monday, definitely have a show. Go to geekvibesnation.com to check out all of our articles uh, for news involving comics, movies. That's Geek Vibes Nation. You can find us on Spotify, on um, SoundCloud, on Stitcher. If you don't want to listen live on Blog Talk and on iTunes, just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance and our bigger company, Geek Vibes Nation, for all of our different podcasts. And, uh, yeah, just uh, keep on checking us out. Chris, you got a hockey show coming up. Uh, if you want to do any plugs or say goodbye to the lovely people out there. Yeah, there definitely should be a hockey podcast coming out this weekend, probably after the Devils game tonight. Uh, it skates the Throats. Check us out on Spotify. Talk about hockey rivalries, um, fights. Uh, the current news, anything weird that happens in hockey, essentially we talk about. It's uh, it's my second passion after wrestling. So, uh, yeah, make sure you check it out. You can hit me at Chris R. Patton on Twitter. Also, Christopher Ray Patton on Facebook. Uh, if you want to talk wrestling, feel free to shoot me a message. Maybe get some questions in. That would be awesome. Dean, I think that's all I got. I don't know if I have anything else to plug. We should do that Wu-Ting show, though. We haven't done that yet. we got to talk about that on oh, here, yeah. uh, next Monday Sucks. Dude, that's a great idea. Now that we know that there, that was the last episode, we'll, we'll be going over Wu-Tang and American Saga next week on Monday, suck at 6, 6 p.m. EST. Uh, me and you will review that and go over uh, whatever else out there. But um, thank you guys once again for listening to our show. And have a lovely weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Let the geek vibes be with you. And, of course, as always, peace out. Hey, monkeys, it's me, D-D-T, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing, the master of Diamond Cutter, the three-time world champion professional wrestler, WWE Hall of Famer, and CEO and founder of DDP Yoga. And you, monkeys, well, you're listening to Geek Vibes Nation. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. <laughs>